and welcome. My name is Mason, and this is Mace on Movies. Today I'll be giving my review of Zack Snyder's Justice League. But before we get into that, I'd like to encourage you to check out last week's episode, where I talk about my favorite movies of 2020. It's a great introduction to me and my taste in movies, so if you haven't checked it out yet, please do. It would also be wonderful if you can subscribe to the podcast feed, leave a comment, give a rating, share with your friends, all that good stuff. I've also been doing some short videos on Instagram where you can follow me at Mason Movies. And most recently I did a reaction to the Academy Award nominations and I've done some trailer reactions as well. Coming up on there, I'll also be giving some quick thoughts each week on the movie adjacent, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Moving on from my self-promotion, let's get into Zack Snyder's Justice League. Just so you know, I'll give some non-spoiler thoughts up top then give a warning before diving into specific things from the movie that could be considered spoilery. In the week leading up to the release of the Snyder Cut, I did make some time to go back and watch Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, and the 2017 version of Justice League, just so I could have those fresh in my mind. And I am someone who enjoys Man of Steel and Batman v Superman, although they do have some flaws in overall execution, and I like Zack Snyder's work in general so I can enjoy those films while admitting they are not perfect, and I was upset when WB interfered ultimately handing the project over to Joss Whedon after Zack Snyder stepped away following, of course, the tragic loss of his daughter to suicide. And on re-watching Whedon's version of the film, or the Justice League as it has come to be known, it was such a bizarre tonal shift from Batman v Superman that even though Snyder's name remained on the film as director, it was very clear that he really had nothing to do with a majority of that film. And to be honest, it's just not a well-made movie. The plot is slapped together in a way that might make sense but is utterly ridiculous, the jokes are lazy and borderline offensive, and the visual effects are mind-numbingly bad. It actually took me two sittings to get through because after the first 40 minutes I just didn't want to watch any more of it and I turned it off. So needless to say, I'm not a fan of the Justice League, and anything Snyder gave us was bound to be better than that tragedy of filmmaking. So jumping into the Snyder Cut, my overall thoughts are that it is a vast improvement upon the 2017 version. It feels like a true continuation of what Zack Snyder established in Man of Steel and BVS. The story and characters are given room to breathe, so that you can clearly understand what is happening and why they are doing what they do. The completed visual effects are absolutely gorgeous. There's plenty of humor to be found, and in fact, I realized that all of the humor that did work in the 2017 version must have come from Snyder, because those parts remain in the Snyder Cut, particularly the stuff between Bruce Wayne and The Flash. Structurally, the main plot points and action set pieces are the same as what we saw in 2017, but are improved upon by the completed visual effects and superior storytelling surrounding them. Overall, there were only a couple of things that didn't work for me, and they come pretty early on in the film. The first would be some of the music choices. There's one moment in particular that is considerably over the top and unintentionally funny in my opinion. Secondly, in one of the early battle sequences involving a mother box, I felt there was a gratuitous amount of slow-mo, and I felt that certain moments could have been sped up to keep the sequence a little bit sharper. 
Lastly, while we do benefit from more time with each character, I felt like I could take or leave the extra time with Flash and Aquaman. The highlights, however, come in the extra time we spend with Cyborg. And without getting into spoilers, I'll just say that I truly don't understand why certain scenes with him were cut from the film. I know that Ray Fisher has come out with his disappointment about the film, mostly centering on his experience working with Joss Whedon, but I can see why he was upset about the things that were cut from the film. He put so much heart and so much work into bringing this character to life, and what happened to him is inexcusable. I actually felt myself becoming upset while watching certain scenes because I can't see a single justifiable reason they should have been removed. So I'm thankful then that this version of the film was finally able to see the light of day. Cyborg's story arc truly is, as Ray Fisher and Zack Snyder have said, the heart of the film. And the movie as a whole is, in my opinion, not perfect, but very well done. For a four-hour movie, it moves remarkably well in its pacing, and I found myself not wanting to pause or take any breaks from it. So I had no problem getting through it in one sitting, although when I revisit it in the future, I probably will break it up into the chapters, because four hours is just a lot of time to set aside. If I had to give it a score out of 10, I would probably land on an 8.5. There's a lot to love, and with a bit of trimming and a couple different musical choices, it could easily be a 10. So those are my non-spoiler thoughts on the movie, and now I'm gonna jump into some specifics. So if you haven't seen it yet and don't want anything to be spoiled for you, you can stop here and come back once you've finished everything. So last warning, spoilers from here on out. So I'll get the things that didn't work for me out of the way up top so that I can focus on the positive. As I mentioned before, there were some sequences with a copious amount of slow motion fairly early on. The first one is Superman's death scream that ripples throughout the earth and awakens the mother boxes. This is undoubtedly an awesome visual sequence, but it stretches on for so long that I was just like, okay, I get it. I see what you're doing here. Let's move on. I think it could have been just as cool and just as effective if it was about half as long. The second one comes when the Amazonian warriors are protecting the mother box from Steppenwolf. That whole battle sequence overall works much better in this version of the film. The visual effects are better, and I think it's really cool, but there's a part of the scene where they're getting the box out of the secure vault and trying to trap Steppenwolf and the Parademons, and it's almost entirely in slow motion, and I just thought, this is too much and I worried that there would be too much of this throughout the movie. I know Zack Snyder loves slow motion shots, and they do look super cool, but we have to draw the line somewhere. The final scene that had this effect on me was when Barry is rescuing Iris from the car crash. Now this scene as a whole is really beautiful and funny and very charming, but there's also a side of it where, as it stretches on, I can't tell if Barry is being sweet or a little creepy as he gazes at her and sweeps some of her hair to the side. And it just, in general, went on a little bit longer than I think it needed to. So with the music and everything, it was sweet and it had me smiling, but at the same time, it felt a little bit overdone and slightly creepy. Uh, so those are the three slow-mo sequences that didn't work for me. The other thing I mentioned before was that there were a couple of music choices that threw me off. 
The first one is when Bruce Wayne is trying to recruit Aquaman, isn't successful, and Aquaman gets into the water and swims away. There's a group of villagers that come out singing in chorus, and at first it's working. It's like, okay, they're singing kind of this old-time folklore-style song, kind of in reverence of Aquaman. But then their voices swell to this crescendo, and I just had to laugh because it was so over the top. It almost worked, but then they took it too far in my opinion. I just couldn't take it seriously. The second music moment is when Aquaman saves a sailor, returns him to the town, and then walks back into the ocean. This is a scene we saw in one of the very first trailers back in 2016 and had the song Icky Thump by the White Stripes, and I felt like that song actually worked much better in the trailer than the music choice they chose in the Snyder Cut. I'd have to go back to the lyrics of the song because it is something about a king and his kingdom, and I'm sure it's establishing some of his character, but it's very slow, it's very indie, and it really kind of took me out of the moment. It was more music video than feature film, if that makes sense, in my opinion. The rest of the music and score overall worked really well for me, and in fact, the use of Superman's theme in some of his moments later on were some of the most touching and resonant moments in the movie. It was also great to hear the return of Wonder Woman's theme, which is so cool and so effective. And so some there is some music that really worked for me. And that's pretty much it for the negatives. There really wasn't much about this that I didn't like. I would say I'm neutral on the extra stuff with Aquaman and the epilogue, and positive on pretty much everything else. As I said before, the highlight of the movie really was the stuff that was added back in with Cyborg. I can't begin to comprehend why most of it was cut. First of all, there's the scene where his father is working late and misses the football game. He's upset and arguing with his mom about how she's busy but still makes the time to be there for him, while his father seems to always put his work first. And as they're arguing, we see the car crash that killed his mother and left him near dead missing his arm and legs. This scene explains his relationship with his father and how he blames his father for the death of his mother, saying it wouldn't have happened if he had been there. There's also the scene where he is exploring his abilities and he can see financial systems and bank accounts, and he comes across the account and video footage of a woman who is struggling to provide for her family. He then decides to add a large sum of money to her account disguised as a prize from the bank. And we see that he is actually standing at a close distance from her while she is attempting to withdraw money from the ATM and discovers that this amount has been added. And this scene is basically his save the cat moment, which is where he does a good deed that puts the audience on his side. So the fact that these two scenes were cut make Ray Fisher's anger completely justifiable. I mean, these are the character motivations that make everything that happens matter later in the movie. There's more to the story about his mistreatment by Joss Whedon and the studio, but speaking strictly about the edits to the movie, it's just baffling. And really, his whole relationship with his father, who is crucial to other moments relating to the mother boxes and the plot of the film, deserved to be there. So the biggest and most important changes to the film are tied to the character of Cyborg. As I said before, the plot of the movie in general makes so much more sense in this version of the film. 
Instead of a parademon exploding and his green blood forming the shape of three mother boxes, which was absolutely ridiculous, we see a natural journey with Bruce Wayne and Diana, as he wants to build a team based on the threat from Lex Luthor at the end of BVS, where he claimed there would be an invasion now that Superman is dead and can't protect the Earth. Diana also provides information about the mother boxes under the guidance of her mother, who shoots an arrow that sets a fire in an ancient temple of the Amazons. Diana discovers the temple, uses the arrow to unlock a room, and receives the crucial history lesson about the first invasion of Darkseid and the Golden Age of Heroes. The Age of Heroes chapter is one of my favorite from the film, and provides very clear motivation for Bruce and Diana to get the team together and prepare to defend the Earth. The Gathering of the Heroes does work pretty similarly to the 2017 version, and the rest of the movie carries on in similar fashion to that cut. The key differences, as I said before, are that we get more time with the characters and better understand their motivations. Another highlight is the journey of Superman after he is resurrected. We see that it's not Batman who sets him off when he first comes back to life, but rather that he's disoriented and overwhelmed after being resurrected, he doesn't understand who or where he is, and he feels threatened as the defense systems of Cyborg become active. So he needs to be calmed down and centered by the arrival of Lois. Later on the farm, he feels that they must have resurrected him for a reason, and decides that he has to join the fight and help them. And his scene in the Fortress of Solitude, as he walks past the various suits, hearing voiceover from Jor-El and Jonathan Kent, his two fathers, before gathering strength and taking flight, is absolutely beautiful. I even became emotional while I was watching it. It's this moment where he's choosing who he's going to be, and it's so much better than the 2017 version, where he pretty much just disappears from the farm and reappears later towards the end of the fight. The final battle also works much better due to the character arcs of Cyborg and the Flash. Cyborg, who we've seen lose his mother to a car crash, and his father who sacrificed himself to help them find the mother boxes, has the ability to rewrite reality and get his life and parents back as he is sinking with the mother boxes. He gets this vision where his mother calls to him and says that he is their broken, beautiful boy and tells him he doesn't have to be alone anymore. But he takes a stand rather than giving in to that temptation. He declares that he is not broken and he is not alone before pulling the mother boxes apart with the help of Superman. And the emotional weight of that moment, with everyone deciding who they want to be and what they will stand for, is just so powerful. It's not just a big, mind-numbing action sequence. It's a satisfying conclusion to the journey of the film. We do also get set up for sequels as we see Darkseid watch the failure of Steppenwolf and decide he will come to Earth and take care of it himself. So that's a major departure at the end that also leads us to more sequel setup in the epilogue. The epilogue is where we get the nightmare sequence tying back to BVS. And I don't know how necessary this sequence was, and it certainly feels kind of tacked on at the end, but it does give us some really cool moments between Batman and Joker. We get a glimpse into the history between these two, including the death of Robin, and understand that because Batman is unwilling to sacrifice himself 
and has allowed Lois Lane to die, they are at odds with Superman and trying to get things right. At the end, as he wakes up, we also meet up with Martian Manhunter, who is deciding to stick around and help defend the Earth from future attacks. Now, this is actually the second appearance from Martian Manhunter, as earlier in the film we see him, as Martha Kent, persuading Lois to get back to her life because the world needs her as much as it needed Superman. And I'll be honest, that moment where Martha turns into Martian Manhunter totally got me. And in the epilogue, we also do get this scene with Lex and Deathstroke in the original form before being altered in the 2017 version. So all of that is really cool sequel setup and world building, and I did enjoy it, but I feel like it could have been cut out and the movie would have stood just fine on its own. And speaking of sequels, there has already been very much a lot of demand to restore the Snyderverse, which I too would very much like to see. After watching this version of the movie, I really would like them to just give Zack all the money he needs and let him do whatever he wants to finish the story. I love his style, I love the characters as he has established them, and I truly hope he will be allowed to complete this journey with them. We'll see what happens. So again, overall, I really like this movie. There are some flaws in my opinion, but I would still give it an 8.5 out of 10 and sincerely hope we can see more of this world with Zack Snyder at the helm. So those are my thoughts on Zack Snyder's Justice League. Thank you guys so much for listening. And I'm sure that you have many different thoughts and other opinions and probably some things that I missed. So I would love to hear all of that. You can leave a voice message through Anchor or you can chat with me through Instagram or Twitter at MasonMovies. Once again, please remember to like, share, and subscribe. Leave a rating too if you can. And until next time, take care, wear a mask, get vaccinated if you can, and let's be kind to one another. Thanks, everyone.